You are listening to a Core Awareness Seminar by Liz Cook. Her website is www.coreawareness.com. That's C-O-R-E awareness.com. Please note that Core Awareness is a trademark signature of Liz Cook, her workshops, seminars, books, and CDs. The information presented in the seminar is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose of the seminar is to provide information and to simply educate. The author and publisher shall have neither liability nor responsibility to any person or entity with respect to any loss, damage, or injury caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly by the information, suggestions, explorations, or exercises contained within the seminar or written in response to the seminar. The author is not a medical authority, and she is not qualified to diagnose or prescribe any therapy. The information is simply her personal opinion. Please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have. So today I have uh, Jaap Vanderval with me here in the Netherlands, and I'm excited that I got to torture his name probably, um, but also to have him here with me to discuss um, embryology and the psoas and maybe where the psoas first showed up. But um, I'd like to introduce Jaap, and then I'd like him to fill in what I don't know about him, which is that he's a Dutch phenomenon. Phenomenologist. Phenomenologist. <laughs> Embryologist, who provides a, uh, a counterweight against the reductionist scientific vision of human existence and helps us understand this embryonic journey that each and every one of us has taken. So, welcome, Yeah, for joining me. Please start with telling our audience a little bit about yourself your background so that I can be sure to fill that in because you've been a scientist for many years. Yeah. Well, officially I'm an anatomist embryologist. I started as a medical doctor. I never healed or saved anybody's life. I, I just begin with the research and teaching at the university. And my first domain was anatomy. And then gradually I developed uh, embryology. And it was in the domain of embryology that I started to my my personal quest for what is spirit and can you see it, can you find it? And I developed a kind of spiritual embryology. And my greatest inspirers are uh, Stein, Still and Stone. Steiner is uh, from the Anthroposophy, and Taylor Still is Osteopathy, and Reynolds Stone is uh, Polarity Medicine. And all these three philosophers um, yeah, consider us to be more than just a machine or a body. There must be spirit in us. And I developed uh, yeah, an approach and ability that you can consider the embryo as not um, uh, an anonymous uh, building up uh, process from cells and tissues and growth. No, it's activity, it's behavior. We are in that phase uh, shaping our body. And one of my Central statements is that people think that the embryo is past, that 
Right. Let's say the first nine weeks of our life, we created the body, and then it was ready. Well, that's that's wrong. That's a wrong concept. The embryo, I say in my courses, is still there. We still are embryos. It's the primary thing we do. Every morning you wake up with a new body. Your body is not never ready or never like a machine built up from parts or elements, no. You continuously are involved in shaping your body. It's, in some organs it's very, very burly, you know, there are organs that, that create themselves every seven months. You have a new liver, for example. But other organs are slower, but actually your whole body is not a spatial structure or spatial process, a uh, spatial thing. It is time, you know. We live in time and our body is process. So the embryo in us is still that in us that creates, shapes, performs our body. That's the nice thing of your language, you know, performance. I am a performance. I'm not anatomy. Anatomy is what will come out when I die. Then you have my, anat my anatomy. Right. But now my living anatomy is not, you know, structure, space, uh, uh, separate elements or, you know, it's a constant process of shaping my body. And I'm still involved in it. That's why I say to people, well, we are still embryo. And the embryo is the primary thing you do. Every morning you wake up with a million new synapses. Don't let ever your Apple computer do that. I mean, they can learn a lot and they can change their programs, but, you know, change their machinery, they can never do. That's the big difference between me and a machine. We are not machines. We yes, are. I so agree. <laughs> yeah, whatever super robots they're going to make, a robot will never be capable of what every human child can do, and that is shaping, performing your body. Well, I love this idea because it fits right in with how I experience myself. And um, I'd like you to speak to recognizing how these organs and, and cells, you know, they're, that, that sense of wholeness, that they're secondary, you know, that we're primarily already whole. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, you don't have to go out and get wholeness. You're not mind, body. Yeah. You know, centered, you're actually all of that. Yeah. And, and the cell, to me, represents that. Yeah. Will you speak to that idea? Yeah. It's funny that a few months ago I was invited for a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. And I gave my TED Talk, and it was about growth. And then I first invited the people to realize, where do you come from? What, 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 where, how did you start? Do you actually realize that when you say I started, that you have to, that you confirm that you were um, starting at conception? But how do you start? And I'm sure that many of the people will answer that question. I start as a cell. That's a dogma. That's okay. what they tell us. You start as a fertilized egg cell. Well, I've never seen fertilized egg cells. As soon as an egg cell is fertilized, which actually is not fertilization, but that's another idea, when an egg cell is fertilized, it transforms in a body. And bodies are the units of life, not cells. Bodies are not built up from cells. You do not start as a cell. You are not a kind of Lego, uh, you know, that you take all kinds of elements, organs and cells, and then you can build up an organism from that. But you see in the embryo, from the very beginning on, you start as a unicellular body. It may look like a cell, but it's not a cell. It's an organism. And organisms are the entities of life, not the cells. Cells are important 
organizational principles and are the particles of life, but you do not start as a cell. You start as a unicellular organism that is a body. And then what see what do you see what do you see happening in an embryo? It's it's loud and clear. The whole starts to be sub-organized in cells. Mm-hmm. You do not start with cells and then at the end you create a body. No, you are a body from the very beginning on. And the central process of shaping your body is twofold. First, you have to sub-organize your body in elements, in cells. Mm-hmm. And then you differentiate these cells. So that gradually there comes a body with different organs and different physiology and different functions and different elements and different whatever. But the beginning and the, uh, the first item still is constantly is the whole. Blechsley talked about embryology and therefore human being is about maintaining your individuality. I mean it's a process. Becoming, you do not become an individual, you are from the very beginning on an individual. Bodily, psychological, you are individual and what you have to do is to maintain that, to keep that, to keep standing, so to say, against the resistance of constantly falling apart in cells and organs and elements. And that is what you do. So even your individuality is not is not a spatial building, it is a lifetime processing of your individuality, your whole. I love that you say yeah. that you have to resist um, falling apart. Because one of the ways I use uh, that concept is that I believe that if we can dissolve through movement, kind of the mm-hmm. the tension patterns we hold and the constructs we have mentally, physically, that we get to reappear more yeah. of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know that more of us yeah. show up, yeah. so that the people who feel disconnected start to feel themselves to be individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a fabulous idea. I love it. Yeah, and I got that amongst others from another man who I didn't mention yet, and that's Erich Blechschmidt, the, the famous uh, uh, German embryologist. And he literally stated, as already in the 50s of the last century, soul individuality is not something that comes in later. It's not that you first create a body and then the body becomes individual or soul. No. You are soul, you're individual, you are an organism, you are you from the very beginning on. So don't expect that I can indicate a certain state in the every, oh, now it becomes human, or now their soul is coming in. No, Mm -hmm. it's a constant process of shaping and performing your body. You are a psychosomatic entity from the very beginning on. So important is that in the TED lecture, <laughs> I could tell the people, you do not start as a cell. If you are a cell, if you were a cell, then I would now looking at something what was a product of cell divisions. Right. But you are not a product of cell divisions. You, have, you use your cell divisions, the power of multiplication of yourself, to organize your body. You are an organism. That are the entities Thank of life. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you are the units of life. Thank you. Yeah, that's important. It is important. And it that also adds time, you know. If, if you think that living organisms are machines built up from elements, yeah, then you should have a machine, but they are appearances in time. Every living organism has a lifetime. It's its own specific lifetime. And a living being appears in time. So every phase, that's important, counts. Mm-hmm. It's not that an embryo is not yet human, 
or right. where the child is not yet uh, adult. No, you are human being from the very beginning on. That means that you go through an embryonic and a child phase, but then you also are behaving, acting as a human being. So you don't want to be It changes you. the way we think about everything when we think in that yeah. way. Maybe in your language I should say you are not becoming human. Human is um, human becoming from the very beginning on. I mean it's it's human is becoming. Mm -hmm. yes. You are not becoming human. Right. I so agree <laughs> okay. with that. You're never ready. Right. So but our culture has that whole uh, objectifying and separating and um, so you talk about that that larger field that larger vital field and I um, and one of the things I see when I was introduced to the little bit of embryology I know is this this recognition of a larger field that is shaping me that that or I'm I'm gesturing with or I'm responding to yeah. And I'd like you to speak to the idea of, of field, like, because yeah. we objectify and we look at things as separate, Yeah. Then, but we're not, because although I'm me, always, uh, whatever me is, and, and I'm, I'm, I am human me, but I'm interacting with all these other, not only humans, but air and plants and all these other fields yeah. of that are shaping me from the very beginning, like the mother's yeah. fluids, the mother's energy, the mother's feelings, the mother's, you know, or yeah. the world's feelings yeah. and yeah. all that I pick up. And I want you to put it in context of not only this this being that is truly themselves no. from no, the no, very, no. but their bigger context. Yeah. Yeah. It relates to the, the, the old question about... Um, yeah, where, where are we? Mm -hmm. I sometimes ask my public, where are you now? Mm -hmm. And then you can see in their faces that until that moment, they were with me, you know, they were listening to me. But when you ask them, where are you now? They suddenly realize, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm here in this body. I must. So, you know that your first body dimension, the first body access, the first body dimension developing your body is not dorsal, ventral, or cranial, caudal, or left and right, no. Here and there. Prenatally, you have two bodies. You have a here body, which you are involved in, shaping it, and it's now sitting in a chair. But as a pre in your prenatal life, you also have another enormous body that is constantly connecting, interacting with the world around you. In that case, it's your mother. And that here and there dimension is still there. A living being without environment is nothing. A machine is completely independent from an environment. A, a robot has nothing to do with, it, with its environment. It's, I mean, bodily spoken. But living beings always live in the field of environment. An animal without, um, an animal without an environment that is perfectly fitting to its body, it is in the functioning in its environment that the animal depends, you know, appear and get set and make sense. It's on their own, they are nothing, they always have to interact with. So here and there is a very essential dimension. Mm -hmm. So maybe existence, being, is not being here or being there, but being able to be here and there. Uh -huh. So maybe it happens now between you and me. Yeah. We both exist now, 
at this very moment in each other, in between, here, in between, I exist. Uh -huh. Not I insist, but I exist in you. It's very okay. interesting. Yeah. And, and, and atomists don't know about the dimension because they think that you lost your placenta when you were born. And I show the people in my course, you still have a placenta. You know, your whole, your whole world, yeah, you the whole world are my placenta. If I, look, if I look for the spiritual and mental and psychological and physiological organization of your body in the so-called th three germ layers, I see the same organization in the world in which I live. There's an outside, there's a deeper inside, there's a deep, deep, you know, hidden reality behind the reality. So the three layeredness of the world around me is the complete mirroring of my own uh, psycho, psychosomatic threefoldness or three layeredness or three levels of organization. Yeah. And that's interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. 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 That's a and maybe coming a little bit to you, that of course I have to find a center, an equilibrium, uh, a constant I'm achieving in myself, my individuality, my core, my I am or whatever. That is not a product of this body. That is a mental, uh, psychosocial, psychosomatic um, gesture that I have to for my whole life long, you know, shaping my my core, my center, myself is an activity, it's not a product of this body. I need this body to constantly perform that and become aware of that. I love that you talk about gesture and I want you to speak yeah, more to gesture because that's actually how I teach. I, I, I want, if I'm working with a, someone who's, whether they're doing Pilates or they're teaching a uh, they're massage therapists, so whether they're teaching a course or, or, or presenting themselves as someone who can support someone else's process, I ask them to look at their gesture, not to yeah. look at the structure, no, no, no. But, and, and as ideal structure, but to look, and then if you followed their gesture, yeah. it would actually allow them to self-manifest yeah. to a more organized yeah. System. And then you understand the forms. Yes. I mean, that's what I can see them. That's in what I, I can see the gesture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want you to speak to the body. That's why the body, the organs are gestures. That, yeah. that, and, and that's why I call myself a phenomenologist. A phenomenologist is not interested in explanations, you know, where do these co forms come from, or how are they caused, what are the genes, no, no. A phenomenologist is interested, what do they mean? Right. What does a form mean? What does it express? Right. I can make a fist here, but if you go to that as an anatomist, you will never understand what I want to express with this fist. No. Is it anger, or, or mm -hmm. am I aggressive, or is it triumph, or whatever, is it joy? Mm -hmm. So. Forms have a meaning, yeah. and that's what I call gesture. So that's what I do in the embryo. I try to understand the gestures of the shapes. It's shaping, and then you start moving. And I come a little bit to your domain here: moving, locomotion, uh, mm -hmm. posturing. First, I said to my students for 40 years, it's not a locomotor system. Right. You do not only locomote or move. It's a very bad way of moving because moving is what blood is doing and fluid, they, they stream, that's, that's motion. But what we do is posturing, posture and locomotion system. 
And that's the secret. When I move my arm, I'm posturing. I'm giving shape to my body. I now give my body the shape of a man, you know, with a fist, because I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Locomotion is more about posturing and gestaltung, says the German word. That's a word, mm -hmm. you know, giving your yes. body a performance. It's a performance. It is time and space. And then, uh, yeah, then human movement becomes more and more interesting because it's also gesturing. It's your, how you move, your, your motions are not only locomotion, you know, walking over the spider, but also gesturing, expressing in your body the language of locomotion, the language of posture. And it's about sensing. You cannot move one part of your body without, on the other side, maintaining your equilibrium. Otherwise, you'll follow your arm and fall down. I mean, mm -hmm. So it's constant shaping space. Mm -hmm. And that's something else, and motion. Yeah. Maybe I do not use the right words in your language, but that's what I try to teach my students. It's a posturing and locomotion system. Yeah. That's why it also special muscles. Yeah, uh, speak to the muscle. Yeah, thing. You're, I always try to yeah, explain yeah, what yeah, the muscle yeah. is. First, you have to get rid of the false dogma. In every book, in every histology, anatomy book, they say muscles are contractile organs. That is not only not true, it's a lie. It's a lie. If muscles were contractile organs, you could not move. You could never do this. I mean, spread your arms and, and make a nice gesture come, or, or give a hug. I mean, muscles are actually forms of connective tissue. And also for connective tissue, it's not right to say that it connects, no. All the tissues in your body, the connective tissues, the muscle tissue, they connect and shape space. Literally, something. And the muscle also gives in, you know, can, mm -hmm. can let, let things happen and, 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 and guide it, but also it can contract. So that's the first thing. So the, the, first, the muscle I go to explain what muscle is, is heart. Mm -hmm. Your heart is your primary muscle. And the other two types of muscle that you have, striated and smooth, are derivatives. Dera derivative? mm -hmm. Dera Dera yeah. Derivatives. Derivatives of that. The striated and the smooth muscles are specializations of the heart muscle. Mm -hmm. And in the heart muscle you see the, the original function, appearance of muscle, and it is contraction, relaxation, coming in form, giving formlessness, uh, centering, and this is rhythm is the essential feature. Yeah. And now what happens in a striated muscle, in a striated muscle, the rhythm is speeding up. Mm. And then it becomes like your brain. Mm. Your brain is constantly vibrating and tuning. It's not about the rhythm anymore, it's about a very fast, nearly spatial, yeah, vibrating, uh, oscillating. And that's what these muscles also, they start to vibrate. Mm -hmm. So very rapidly I can change their position and constantly become aware of it. Right. Because you can only become aware of something if you bring it to stop. Hmm. Yeah, as, as, as long as the train is moving, you will fall asleep. Okay. And when it stops, you wake up. I mean, your brain is about space. Consciousness is about a spatial, has to do with stop. Stop the flow so that you can become aware. And that's very interesting that this muscle tissue enables you to perform a locomotion, an emotion consciously. But for that, you constantly have to make yourself an image. Where am I? Oh, there. Where are we going to? Oh, there. 
So very rapidly, you change the position of your muscles, of your skeleton, so that you can do it in a intentional and conscious way. That's the secret of these striated muscles. They become actually space and therefore enable me to move, make movements consciously. Right. And the others are the smooth. They come in the, then the rhythm is slowing down mm -hmm. and you get the cycles. Every woman in labor knew it. Mm -hmm. That after the contraction, there comes a relaxation. Right. That is typical for my visual, my smooth muscles, for my unconscious sleeping cycle world. But this is waking up, this is vibrating, this is very rapidly, constantly shaping and changing position. But we can also access that 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 flow, what I would think yeah, yeah, of as yeah, flow, or a respiratory rhythm yeah, yeah. through our sensory system. Yeah. So we're able to turn towards that as well yeah. and notice these these subtle, what I call biomorphic yeah. uh, expressions that we connect to with every living being. Yeah. And in doing that, it somehow starts to allow me to be more present yeah. in the here and now, yeah. Yeah. in this moment. So I call it, um, the way I describe it is landing. That if you, you need to first land to be able to show up, I don't Maybe you show up and then you land. Mm -hmm. But but that relationship is how we develop our awareness, our ability to stay present yeah. and not fall asleep, yeah. even to the rhythms of these, you know, to be able to go into that flow and be soothed by that flow or to actually gain information and experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that we're actually sensing ourselves mm -hmm. not only in relationship to the world, but to turn towards the richness. Yeah. Well, of our experience of being alive. Movement, locomotion, of course, is a way of perceiving, perception. It's, it's also perceiving yourself in space, be, mm -hmm. becoming aware of, of the gravity in, in your skeleton or whatever. But for me, important is that I gave my, I gave my students a physiology in which I compare a liver with a brain. Mm -hmm. And then you see the brain Awareness, consciousness, is about structure, form. The more an organ comes into structure and form, the more it actually becomes dead, non-vital, the higher the levels of consciousness that you can uh, afford yourself in that. I mean, eyes and brains are nearly dead. But in a vital, oh. yeah, that's important. <laughs> in a vital organ like a liver, uh -huh. you can never become aware of it. Although your liver knows a lot, yeah. there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom in the liver. Yes, but it's unconscious. It's sleeping. It's sleeping knowledge. If you ask, if I trained, you know, for ten years, I was a teacher of Olympic athletes. Hmm. They had to be. They had to get anatomy lessons, and they learned. They taught me. If they want to perform in the stadium, they don't do that with their head. Mm -hmm. they, they should get rid of their head. Mm -hmm. That's why they taught me this. My muscles know exactly how you get out of the rope. Yes. As, soon as, as long as I start to try it, you know, consciously, and to tell, let my head tell my muscles what to do, it's too successful. Yeah. So there is a lot of unconscious knowing, knowledge, and there is awareness, conscious knowledge. And I see that those organs that more and more approach anatomy 
and really come in structure and vitality is withdrawn, your brain is your most non-vital organ you have. <laughs> I mean, right. biological vital. <laughs> I mean, mentally it's very vital. Yes. You can never move so rapidly and so, yes. you know, quickly as in your brain, but then the brain itself does not move, you move by your brain, so to say. But in a liver, you live with your body in another way. That the body, so to say, is still your vitality. You are still processing that body. And apparently vitality and consciousness are oppositions. You know that. No, I don't know that. If vitality returns in your head, get a kind of fever, mm -hmm. get a good fever, mm -hmm. it doesn't function anymore. No. And when you sleep, what are you doing when you sleep? You are reconstructing reorganizing your brain. Vitality is at, at stake, at, at, at work. Then, you know, yeah. And when the vital forces withdraw and you wake up, then you wake up. It's something like a polarity. That's why I emphasize it can never has happened in evolution that living organs gradually transformed in conscious Conscious uh, organs, uh, organism with consciousness, because more vitality never brings you to consciousness. Consciousness is an opposition. The animal comes in the catabolism. The plant is still in animalism, shaping, building up, uh, storing energies. But in the animals comes the comes the catabolic soul, the soul that can. Uh, spend energy, burn down uh, organs and vitality, and then it enables you to to become aware and conscious. Awareness and consciousness are polarities of vitality. That's what the that's why the embryo sleeps. That's why the main part of your body still is embryonic. You are still connected with the body in a vital way. You're shaping it. You're performing it, and some organs and the brain is champion. But every heartbeat also makes you awake. Yes, that's what because I'm Because every heartbeat, you yes. die. Yes. You die in the structure, in the form. Mm -hmm. And brains nearly come on the edge. They are nearly, mm -hmm. nearly dead. And that enables you to perform your soul there in a conscious way. Down there in your belly, your soul is still involved, like the embryo, in shaping. Is connected with the body, is working with the body. And here your soul, your psyche, can become body free. That's an idea. I'm going to have to sit with that because one of the things I'm very interested in is the knowing piece, where you know things without thinking them. And the brilliance, obviously I'm aware of something, so my awareness knows I know something, but I know it, and it's very yeah. different than thinking. Yeah. It's one reason why when I teach I don't use visualization because I don't want it to cycle through the imagery I'm capable of manifesting yeah. in my brain. I want to like literally know it. And I know it in my gut. I know it in... And in how do we call that? Intuition. We call it intuition. We call it a, a kind of... Know intuition is knowing. Yes. But knowing on an un or subconscious or... Subconscious. And yet you can yeah. become aware yeah. of that knowing and that informs the brain. Yeah. It... it and so it, it, it integrates in some way. So maybe the polarity, if we're talking about the same thing, is it? That's another fatal error in our physiology. Okay. 
that we are moved by the nervous system. No, no. A locomotor system, let's, let's use the old-fashioned word. People think that your locomotor system is in chapter 1, 2, and 3 in the anatomy book. The muscles, the skeleton, the band, the ligaments, and it. No, no. With chapter three, 1, 2, and 3, you can never move. You need a nervous system. So that is the locomotor system in broad sense. There's a spinal cord, a central nervous system, there are sense organs. No, at least the reflex is the minimum you need, the minimum or organization you need, the motor units, you know, to be able to move. And it, so it's not the central nervous system that is causing your movement, but you move with your chapter 1, 2, 3, plus a nervous system. That's where you move with. And now your brain is not causing the motion in your locomotor right. system. It's tuning in. Because in your right. brain, you live on another level. Yeah, that's where you can see and hear and become aware and think things. So constantly, you are able to tune in with the brain on your muscle man. But your muscle man, when it has learned something, it knows very well how to do the things. Yeah. Yeah. So let it happen and tune in with it. Yeah. So actually, for me, or come to something very yeah precious, which, which many people really do not want to follow. Your motor nerve is not a motor nerve. Your your muscles are not moved by a nerve. The motor nerve is a part of the muscle. Physiologists know. Physiologists know that the entity of of uh, of, locom of the locomotive is not the muscle but the motor unit. Mm -hmm. With that motor nerve. My muscle man, my movement organization, my motion can tune in with the brain, mm -hmm. can tune in with the higher levels. It's not that signals go from up there down to yeah. my toe. Exactly. No, there's an the autonomous you know, motion, movement organization, and there are levels of tuning in. Mm -hmm. And you, you know that the highest level, of course, are my, my intentional and, and, and uh, intentional motion and targeted motion, but that is the higher level. A lot of things happen down there. And you can train your body down there how to do it. The athlete, it took him hundreds of hours of training to get over the rope. But as soon as your muscle man, so to say, knows how to do it, don't let your head do it anymore. Let the muscle man do it. He knows exactly how you get over the rope. Or right. She. Right. I so agree with that. I'm curious what you think of the um, the the the, uh, the heart, but I'm gonna I'm the gonna, heart. Yeah. Yes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna the um, heart is a brain. Yes, it is, and so now we know it's a brain, and it sends more messages to the brain in your head than the other way around. So. As an oscillator, maybe yeah, 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 no, yeah, that whole idea. So now that we can be moved, we're being moved, and we're sensing through the through the heart. Yeah, and the heart is giving us different information. Yeah, but again, but again, my like so kind brain, of it yeah. actually brings up the idea of where yeah, awareness yeah. is, right? Is what we're having. I, I would like to correct that statement. Okay, because I wasn't ready yet. I say the heart is a brain. It's the brain of your blood. Your brain is the head of the is the head is the brain of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Your liver is the brain of your metabolic system. You know, brains, heads are very normal in the organ. Right. Kidneys, ever seen kidneys? They are hardly nearly hard, they are nearly as structuralized as a brain. Mm -hmm. They're also nearly dead. Mm -hmm. They're very structured. 
So keep these hearts, also nearly dead organ, you know, with, with very non-vital musculature because you can get a heart attack and you can get a brain stroke. Mm -hmm. You never get that in your striated muscles. Gotcha. Okay, good. So, brains of the blood, brains of the of the central of the nervous system, brains of metabolism. So, brain is uh, apparently every system. There are brains necessary for the for the consciousness part, for the awareness part, for the control part. Of course. Mm -hmm. So my heart, and therefore, like my brain is not moving my muscle, then my heart is not moving my blood. The blood is moved by itself. But the heart can tune in and can react on what, what is needed and you know and even your mental situation, your psychological situation can be you know brought to the blood. But do you know that every neuroscan, they are now basing the whole neurophysiology, is not a brain scan, it's a blood scan. Beautiful. It is activity of the blood. Yes. And some milliseconds milli before the activity of your cortex, there's a blood activity in that cortex part. Right. So who's ruling what? Right. Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, it is. It I, is. As I, I, I overcame anatomy. And, <laughs> yes. and anatomy is always localized. And modern neurophysiology is so addicted to anatomy, yes. they always want to localize. They want to localize yes. centers, uh, psychological functions. This is there, that is there. No! I move. Yes. Not my brain is moving me. Yes. I feel. Not my brain is feeling. Yes. So my, my I am or my soul is everywhere in the body, but in a different way, of course. So I want to take you, because we're coming to a close, to a tissue that I've spent many years getting uh, uh, a sensory system of, which is the psoas. And um, I don't really care about the psoas, but in many ways um, I care about awareness. And I found that accessing the very core of my being, um, this tissue we call psoas, this very fluid what I think of as an organ of perception, mm. not muscle. So it got put yeah, in muscle yeah, box, course, but yeah, I think yeah. of it as an organ yeah, of yeah, perception. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm curious what you know about the psoas. Do you know, can you tell me when it shows up in the story of unfolding and infolding? What This tissue that comes right out of the midline that goes from... Mm. <coughs> under the heart, kind of under the diaphragm, all the way into the legs, that's so rich in that response, that gesture of fear, of protection actually, not fear, but protection, but also what I call uh, integrity, individuating, the ability to really show up as who I am, yeah, yeah. and having this, what you were speaking of before we began, this idea of kind of really... Centering. Centering and also rising, rising. you know, just really, rising. yes. Yeah. I feel like we're talking so as here, but I want to hear what you yeah. equilibrium, yes, centering. Uh, I cannot think on the source without two other uh, yes. muscle domains, and are, that are the back muscles. I think so as is one of the muscles that belongs to my actual musculature that has to do with my axis, with my. Uh, rising and center, and don't forget the diaphragm. No, I don't. And I and but the psoas is so centrally located, and it does move forward in space. So to me, I call it a pendulum. 
Yeah. Uh, because oh, yeah. it's to me, it's not part of flexion and extension mm. in the sense of our everyday functional mm. movement. It's our center. It's our place of centering. To yeah. me, yeah, yeah. when I am am allowing that tissue mm. not to be part of my mm. posturing, it's but so, to be free, it's informing yeah. me. It cannot be very much a hazard that the gravity center of our body is some five centimeters, you know, ventral the promotorium. And that is typical for humans that we incorporate our gravity center so that we can arrange our body around our internalized gravity center. Yeah. I always say it's very simple. In animal body, in the animal body, gravity, gravity always attracts the animal away from itself to the earth. In our we are organized, we have organized our body, so and it takes some effort to do it, as an embryo you have to you have to get it right and unfold your body. And then you reach a body in which our gravity center is incorporated. And that might be, let's say, the morphological pre-exercise of what we later have to do physiologically, because later on we have to become physiologically autonomous, make our hands free from the legs of our mother, and for the first time we stand in ourselves. And that's also a mental act. Later on, you have to repeat that on the psychological level and yes. say no to your father. Yes. And stand against your father and say, well, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Right. And that's maybe a mental act of coming. Well, I think in. it's a whole yeah, physiological expression. And so that psoas is around my axis. And it, I think the psoas is more sense, sensing dimension of my centering than Causing my uprightness. Yes, or whatever. thank you. Thank <laughs> that's you. That, that's very logical. That's, that's how I see the muscle oh. at all. Yes, I so agree. And the kidneys float on, on the psoas. Yeah, so then you have this dynamic that yeah. if we if we try to will something into yeah. being, Don't we actually... Don't the diaphragm. But, but that's what I'm saying. So with the diaphragm and the psoas relationship, this dynamic, because I, I really see how we use the psoas to control breath. Yeah. So we actually interfere through that manipulation. You know, you know, of course, that the diaphragm is one of the most important muscles for your standing upright. Yes, and it has to be dynamic. And it has to be full. And most people, because they engage here to yeah. will themselves into something, they push the diaphragm slightly forward, disrupting the function yeah. of the diaphragm, and they do it with their soul. Yeah, okay. See, that's where they start to use will yeah. rather than being. Yeah. Rather than self-actualization, yeah. I see manipulation. Yeah. And that's why... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe something that, to consider. Maybe that the psoas is a kind of orga, part of an organization around that, that yeah, center in you and. And when it's free, yeah. you have you have the full body orgasm. Yeah, yeah. You have the ability to feel yeah. really alive inside, yeah. but very much having a center, which many people don't. They kind of feel like they have a back or mostly front, yeah. and they've lost yeah. volume. And to me, when the psoas is yeah. not being help, you know, like being... I, I remember that as a, as a young medical student, uh, the psoas were very surprising me always, you know, the big muscle, yeah, and big tissue. Muscle. And you have to approach it you know, by opening the abdomen, taking out all the organs, and then yeah. in the end you came with the psoas. It, in a way, it was a very deep muscle, it is. and in my anatomy book, it was related to his leg. I said, hey, what? 
Yeah, of course, I can understand that the show is a very important flex of my head, but, but why is it located there? And it already surprised me as a medical student. It's a strange muscle. I think it's, I think it's the center... I think it's the center of the being. It's part of the yeah. mess. What I yeah. call the messenger of the midline. Yeah. It's informing yeah. us, and when we allow it to be that supple, juicy filet mignon that we love to eat in other critters, which yeah. is their psoas, we're seeing this dynamicness, this this I am that yeah. you're speaking yeah. of, yeah. and this ability to find true center yeah. rather than a manufactured center. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's how I. A dynamic center. So to finish up, what would you as a scientist, as a spiritual being, uh, as a uh, self-realized human, um, our listeners to know or take home with them or take away with them as your last? Is there anything you'd like to add? My main motive to do all that work that I do is actually the future. I'm worried about the future. If when the anatomist and the scientists in the 18th, 16th century developed, so to say, the knowledge of our body that we nowadays have, uh, there was a big change in mind, you know, for us to have to become acquainted with the body that we also have. But nowadays we tend to realize a society, we think that we are machines, we think that we are kind of bio-constructs and we are trying to mimic that in robots. But what frightens me the most is that we are striving to society and we think that we can make a society by beings that are um, caused by genes, caused by brains. and we are not caused, but we are emerging, you know, we, we are, through our bodies, we are emerging human, humanity, you know, and that's why I think that the main unit, the entity of human life is not the body. The entity of human life is not the soul, it's not even your brain, but the entity of human life is the biography. That's what we bring to appearance. What I create between my moment of conception and my moment of death what what do I bring forth? What bring, what do I you know what, what do I bring to appearance? And we tend to neglect that in our societies that we are no longer interested in. Yeah, the emergence of the individual, but we are constantly talking about the human race, the population. We are striving to get a, popu- a, a healthy population. We think that. Uh, uh, health is the absence of this and the absence of the, the impairment, the absence. We forget about integration. And that's what I, ho- mm-hmm. I I see a fragmentation going on in our society that has to do with our anatomical mind. Yes. Even the physicists go that way. They, they, they fragmentate our world mm-hmm. in particles that do not have any coherence with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is. So I, that's why I always emphasize we have to learn from the embryo not only how we move, how we physiologically should perform, how we try, but also we maybe learn from organisms and embryos how we should organize our society. And we are now organizing our society, like the anatomists say, you know, and they take the fragments and yes, and we'll never yes. be successful in that. Something like that is Thank my main motive. 
restore the embryo in us. Yes. Not only on the individual level, but also on the social level. Thank you so much. Good. That's wonderful. That are my genes. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is a vicar, is a reverend. My father also has a lot to do with the church. Ah. That's what the students some say, sometimes say afterwards. Ah, you have, you still have the genes of your father, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a preacher sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>